I think that it's totally fitting for uh, Pentecost Sunday to kind of fall on the passage that Joanna just read as we're going through 1 Peter. You know, we're making our way through 1 Peter. And hopefully you heard in there, I don't know how much of it you grasped, but hopefully you heard in there that there's this idea that there's a chosen, a royal chosen priesthood that's, uh, that has been purchased and possessed. Or say purchased and possessed. Yeah, so believe it or not, like you've gone, may or may not have gone to seminary, but you'd be considered part of the priesthood of God. And the way that you got there was through Jesus Christ. Those that believe in him, they are automatically ushered into this amazing role and privilege to be able to have access to the Father 24-7, day, night, don't matter location. That is just off the charts amazing. And it wasn't always like that. It wasn't always like that. Um, And really, in order for the whole situation that God has created, in order for it to work, Jesus, he had to leave. He had to. Because there's no way, uh, it was never God's intention to have Jesus alive everywhere in all locations for all of time to be able to help whoever might need help. That was never the intention. It's kind of crazy to think about. Like, it was always God's intention. It's always his intention to use people to accomplish his goals and objectives. It was his deal, his idea and desire to use the people he was saving from sin to say, yep, those same people that were marked and scarred and maybe messed up by sin, I'm going to equip them and they're going to carry out the good work that I want to have carried out. That, who does that? What strategy is that? Typically, that's not the way we work. That's not the way we operate. You try and get the most qualified, the most well-educated. They've attended the most classes. They just have great pedigree. Like, that's who you want doing things, right? I mean, are you going to hand over whatever amount of money you have in your checking account or accounts or whatever and just give it to somebody with, they have great intentions and that's about it. I'll take care of your finances. I'll get it done for you. You've been so good in my life. I'll, I'll take care of it for you. Well, do you know like how a mortgage works? Well, not really, but I'll figure it out. Do you know how credit cards work? Ah, you know, probably shouldn't use them, but we'll figure it out. Like most people, you know, if that's a financial advisor that you're interviewing and those are his responses or her responses, they're probably not real high on your list. But I can tell you that, you know, God's kingdom is the upside-down kingdom. Everybody say upside-down kingdom. It's the upside-down kingdom. The way that he does things is completely opposite and contrary to what we have experienced or what we think is normal. So we kind of have to get used to and continue to allow ourselves to be challenged but what the Spirit of God wants to challenge us with. And none of us really like a good challenge, especially if it's going to make us cry or lead to brokenness or bring us to places and situations in life that we've always maybe been trying to avoid. 
And it's like God will bring us right up to those things. And he never does any of it to shame us. He always does it to show us what we're capable of when we rest in him. So, living stones, an alive father, the living stone, a royal priesthood. Let's dig into some of this stuff. We'll unpack some things. Some communion together. So, 1 Peter, chapter 2, we're picking up in verse 4. It says, as you come to him. Everybody say, come to him. I'll tell you what. So many people, they want to give advice and sort of have counseling sessions and help people out with really good intentions. Some of the best counseling and advice you can ever give anyone are those three simple words. What are they? There you go. Come to him. That's some of the best advice you can ever give anyone. And they may have lots of questions and it might seem really like religious jargon. But for the Christ follower that walks with God, hopefully we can help them unpack that and give some better understanding, help connect the dots. What does that mean, come to him? That's, how do I come to an invisible person? How does that work? Well, hopefully the Christian that's been coming to him for years say, you know what, I know it sounds weird, but let me just, let me just share with you a little bit about what it means to come to him. And about actually, he's always been near. It's just my choice to come closer to him. So anytime you get put in a situation, you just, you just don't know what to say. Because people are in all kinds of different places in life. And you want to be able to give something of worth and of value and of help. And sometimes it's just, you just got to say, I, I don't know. I know who has the answers. Well, I don't believe in him. Well, maybe you don't. But why don't you try to just come into his throne, just come into the little bit that you know, just bring it to him and let's see if he does anything. There have been so many faithful, amazing testimonies of people just that childlike, just simple step of just coming to him. And God just like unpacks the rest. It's crazy. So this is what Peter's talking about here. And, and I also want to say too, like, I know it says, as you come to him. See, it's easy for us to talk about a little bit right now because we're not necessarily in the shoes or in the sandals of these Jewish people that are currently, in their time, they are all getting murdered simply because of their faith. And not only are they getting murdered, all of the problems that are happening in Rome are also being blamed on their Christians in this radical faith. So the leadership that had been in Rome where things are kind of starting to crumble and unfold. And if you read anything about history and you look about this point in time of what's going on, 60 to 70 AD, there's a lot of different dynamics happening. And one thing that Rome was okay with, they said, hey, listen, we're going to blame the Christians for people causing riots, for people not really getting in line with what we're doing. And if we can get everybody to buy into the fact that the Christians are primarily responsible for all the problems in really our nation, they're going to start to really hate them and dislike them. And then what we can do is we can all throw them in an arena and have them be killed in front of everyone and they're all going to rejoice and celebrate it and we'll look like the big guys, good guys because we were getting rid of the bad guys. 
It's a completely warped concept. Are you with me? It's just craziness. But that's the way it unfolded. And so Peter is trying to encourage these people that are living in the middle of this. It's not theological debate time for them. This is their life. It's not like, you know, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? Right now, it's just, listen, if you're a confessing Christian, your life is on the line. And if they find out about it, death most likely awaits you and your family. And Peter is trying to encourage them into the hope that they're called to and into the plan that God has. Because here's the reality. The reality is that many times God's plans and what he's unfolding does not always end up pleasantly surprising for us. His will will still get accomplished, but it's going to bring us to some very uncomfortable places. So that's why there's sort of this gospel of um, health and wealth, name it, blab it, claim it, frame it, kind of trend. And, and that's, that's, that's really not at the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is you surrender to Jesus Christ. You give him your life. You give him your heart. You go where you go. He brings you where he brings you. He spends you as he sees fit. And on the other side, we'll get the chance to see what it was all about. I mean, how fair is it that there could be a pastor in America or a wealthy nation that's got a 4,000 square foot home, financially is doing okay. I don't know what that is. Right? You got a pastor and his family or, or whoever in America, you know, in the church, and they're doing all right here and pretty comfortable. Things seem set up. But then you have some other believer in another country And they are maybe barely making it, and their life is on the line. And so, who's more faithful to God? That's the wrong way to look at it, right? The right way to look at it is just be faithful where you're planted and where you're at. And that's what Peter's trying to get across to them. And honestly, a lot of times for the ones that are suffering persecution and dealing with it on that level to that degree, they know something most times, they know something about the Lord's heart and about His character and nature that many of us just, we don't quite know or understand firsthand. We can read about it, and maybe our hearts even be stirred and moved, but there's not a reality in our lives that can really line up with that. So, to tell somebody, say, hey, listen, the God that actually allowed these difficult challenges to come into your life, get closer to Him, Sometimes that's not always a well-received message. That God that allowed those problems to happen, that could have prevented it if he wanted to, draw close to him. It's only a few words there. But it's a little more complicated than that. And Peter's like, listen, despite the complications, it's going to be better if you draw close to his heart. Don't get lost in the details don't let life speak louder than truth. Stay close to truth. So as you come to him, the living stone, 
Capital S. Rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to Him. Who's a living stone? Jesus. That's it. That's the capital S right there. The living stone. Rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. You know, sometimes you're going to be very famous in heaven and not very famous here. Heaven will know about you. Angelic beings will know about you. The spiritual realm will know about you. But your tweets won't get retweeted here. Your website might not get a lot of views here. Your Facebook page might not get a lot of thumbs ups. And if that's like kind of what we're about, and we judge if something was good or not, or pertinent or not, by those things, really using the wrong litmus test, using the wrong, wrong marker, wrong scale. And one story that I love, you know, is Daniel. Like when he prayed, and God sent angels to deliver a message to his prayer, God's response, God's response through the angelic being, because angels, like, their responsibility, their role in the kingdom is, they're called to deliver out and carry out God's plans and deliver messages. I thought they were uh, warriors. There are warriors as well, right? But they're, all, they're, war, they're warring and they're fighting based on the battle plans that God has set up. And most of their fighting is due to the fact, based on how we pray and how we interact with God. They have roles, jobs, and responsibilities due to how we respond in faith to what God has called us to. Does that make sense? So much of their job, right? Again, God could do it without them, just like he could do it without us. But every single thing that he has created has a role and a responsibility because to him, that's beautiful. So I don't know how he got talking about angels, but... We just did. So, capital S stone, rejected by men, chosen by God, precious to him. You also, like living stones. In Greek, the word doesn't change. It means the same thing. Stones and stones. It means like these little stones that are alive. Are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So let's pause for a minute. This idea, you know, of rocks and stones, um, it's a theme that has flowed all throughout the Bible. God has always used that imagery. And it's really funny, like when you have little boys, I mean, rocks and stones are, I mean, that's fun for a couple hours right there. You just got to watch what they're throwing it out and what they're doing, and if they're throwing out each other, you know, you just... But rocks and stones, it has always been used of God's nature throughout... Throughout the Word, and I wrote down a couple places, um, you know, in Deuteronomy 32, you know, God declares himself, he says, I am the rock. I am the rock. Doesn't get shaken, doesn't get moved. A rock is just something that's impenetrable. You cannot mess with it, no matter how hard you try. And so we're describing Jesus Christ as the living stone. Not just some sort of dead thing, but this rock that is impenetrable, that is alive. And David, the psalmist, would always say, God, he is my rock. 
Life may go up and down and crazy like this, but my rock is my God. Because he does not go up and down like that. He's faithful and true. Daniel, I talked about before, he had this vision. And this vision that he had is right in the beginning of Daniel. It's chapters 1 and 2. You can read it later during the week if you want. Daniel had this vision where he saw God um, allowed Nebuchadnezzar, actually, had the vision. And Daniel, the crazy thing is, Nebuchadnezzar, this guy had this dream, king of a nation, Babylon. And it so just wrecked him. He was confused by it. He didn't know what to do with it. So he said, you know what? I need to have somebody come interpret this. And not only that, I need to have somebody tell me what it is and then interpret it. So it's kind of crazy, right? Tell him what the dream is and interpret it. So the dream was about, it was all these different materials of um, uh, things of clay, things of iron, um, and it had different body parts. And so they were made of these different materials. And they were representing, this dream was unfolding, it was representing different nations on the earth. It was representing the Greeks, it was representing the Persians, it was representing Rome. And then part of the dream was that there was this huge, you guessed it, rock that came through and shattered all of it. And then it says that it became alive and there was all these other little stones that then became alive out of it and it just populated the whole globe. You got to read it. Daniel 1 and 2. It's crazy. So it's always been part of God's plan. To have this imagery and this focus of this rock that will come and just break paradigms and just break things and then actually multiply itself. And Peter just hits on that fact. And then you also have in the Old Testament, you have this other instance where you have Moses. And they're in the desert. They've been wandering for a while. They're kind of back to complaining again because it's getting difficult. And now they're really thirsty Makes sense. They're wandering around in a desert. And so they say, Moses, we need some water. We need some water. And and Moses, at this point in time, he's getting kind of frustrated. He's leading the nation, and they've kind of just been complaining a lot and not really doing a good job of being faithful. And so, basically, Jared's version, you have to read it to get the real version. Numbers 20. This is a paraphrase. But basically, he said, you want water? He said, that's fine. And he took his staff and he hit a rock, and water came out. Again, Jared's paraphrased version. You have to read the Bible to get the actual real in Numbers 20. But the idea was that a rock was struck, and living water came out of it. You further that illustration through the gospel. You have the living stone, the rock, Jesus Christ. Was he struck? He was struck. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was crucified. Did living water come out of what had happened to him? You better believe it. His blood, alive, perfect. And as we take communion in a little while, that's like what we agree to. That's what we're saying by faith. We're saying, his blood covers me, flows through me. Life came out of that rock. So you can see through the whole Bible, there's always been this theme and this idea of this rock and this stone that won't be unmoved, that would just change nature and cultures, and then will actually become alive and then multiply. How cool is that? 
I personally think it's very cool. It's amazing. It's not by accident. And we're called little stones, little alive stones that take part in this. Heather's a little stone. Leanne is a little stone. Why? Why would God do it this way? It's a good question. It's a good question. We're going to answer it. Here we go. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. So why would God be about doing this sort of living stone to little stones? Why is he doing this? The idea is this, is that we just read it, He's trying to build up a royal priesthood. As I mentioned before, I don't, think, I don't think anyone in here went to seminary, including myself. Nobody in here right, went to seminary. But the idea is not to get everybody to go to seminary, nor to Bible college. Not that those are bad. People should go. I'm currently taking classes now, have been, always will be. I love learning. But the idea is learning doesn't make you more mature, doesn't give you some spiritual badge. Being with his heart and knowing who he is does. So the idea is he's building up this priesthood. What is that about? Why are we using this language? We're using this language because that's the language of the Bible. That's the way God has always been approached was by priests. There was always a mediator on behalf of people to go to God because that priest was the one who was divinely chosen to have access to God. Nobody else can. And the crazy thing is, is that when Jesus died in the temple, the curtain, the veil, torn in two. The place where the priest would go to intercede and communicate on behalf of people that was torn in two. In essence, God's saying, hey, that's, that's old now. I'm doing a new thing. This is the plan. Why? Why would he do it that way? I think part of the answer is when we leave here today, when you leave, when you go anywhere you go, it's very much in the heart of God to say, you know what? Wherever Eric goes, part of my kingdom lives in him. He's coming around. Part of my kingdom is also coming around in that environment. Where Nick goes, part of the kingdom is going with him and he's bringing that to wherever he's going. Right? Wherever Brandy goes, She's, she's been equipped with part of the kingdom. And whether or not we access that and we bring that in faith, that's another story. But the idea is that God wants to say, hey, listen, I'm equipping and preparing my people so no matter where they go, they have access to me and they can bring my heart and my light to a situation. That makes a lot of sense. That's actually an amazingly beautiful picture. And it's not dependent upon one person. You don't need me anywhere. We need Pastor Jared. You don't need me. 
I can come help you. You don't need some other pastor either. You don't need some other person. I can certainly help and equip and guide. Like, awesome. That's, that's a big part of what I do. But you don't need me to have access to God and hear some sort of secret thing that only I can get. And I love that because it doesn't put people on pedestals and like chosen and specific ones and the other ones, eh, well, maybe I'll get to some, some, a point someday and figure it out. It's just not that way. God is building living stones, a chosen royal priesthood. It's crazy. You guys can all walk around with collars if you want, right? But you don't have to. The idea is the same. You carry the heart of God and access to him at all times. It was not always that way. If I could hop in a DeLorean, I'm heading out to like, well, I'll go, diff- I'll go to different times in history, but one of the times that I'll go to is sort of that Old Testament time you have these Levites and giving sacrifices and I want to see like how they're doing all that, how they're all set up and, and I just want to have a conversation about like Jesus and just the way I do life is so much different than the way that they do life. And it's not just a culture thing. It's a Jesus thing. Like he came, the promise was fulfilled. I feel like they're just going to be like, what? What? Or I might get stoned, you know, I don't know. But <laughs> it would be very interesting. We carry such a privilege. It's amazing. And I don't know about you, but personally, like I personally struggle with the fact that I do believe that. I I believe that part of the kingdom, that I'm a living stone, that God lives inside of me. I I still struggle and have difficulty with coming into certain environments around certain people and really trusting that fact. Seeing that, you know what, man, these people are just so negative. Like, I don't even want to try. I actually just want to just avoid that. Like, just get away. I find that in my life, like, I, I've done that numerous times. I just try to avoid or just sort of sneak out or just not deal with. But if it's true that I'm a living stone and just part of God in his heart, like I carry with me where I go, if I in faith just contribute something to an environment or a situation, that matters and that has impact. And you know what kind of books I like to read and sort of people that I like to learn about? I love to read and just hear about those types of people that they, they didn't get stuck maybe with what they can't do. They just so firmly believed about the kingdom inside them, about who he is, and they brought it to every situation. And I just love reading the testimonies and the lives of those people. They just grip me. I'm like, oh, they never doubted that they had the kingdom living inside them. And they would just bring them to these different places and just do different things. They could be simple things. Or they could be just be these grand things. But I just love reading about that stuff. And I think that you know, when we leave here and we go out our other six days of the week and we go with an understanding, hey, listen, I'm carrying a part of the kingdom and that's love and that's light and it's transforming power. And whoever I come in contact today, I want to try and give them some of that. I want to try and bless them with some of that. Your days and your weeks are drastically different. Drastically. You're not looking for something to receive. You're looking for opportunities to give. It's awesome. It's just awesome. So he says we get to offer spiritual sacrifices. What in the world is that? 
So a priest back then, they would give physical sacrifices. They'd take a dove. They'd take a lamb. They'd even take grain. They'd take fruit. They had all kinds of different offerings, oil, all kinds of things. And it was all for specific reasons. But since we're all walking in the priesthood now, (laughs) hopefully nobody goes by your house and you're sacrificing anything. That means you clearly don't understand what has happened. But we should be offering up spiritual sacrifices. And that's what Peter says here. He says, you've been, uh, you're part of a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. Well, how do you offer a spiritual sacrifice and what in the heck is that? It's a good question. Glad you asked. Guys are sharp. Look at Hebrews 13, 15. We're not going to spend too much longer. We're almost done. Promise you. So just go to the left a little bit. Hebrews 13, 15. I'm going to give you three. Three ways offer spiritual praises, spiritual sacrifice. So here's the first one, Hebrews 13, 15. It says, Through Jesus, therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of, what's that word? Praise. The fruit of lips that confess his name. That's a spiritual sacrifice. It's just by, just by praising him. A sacrifice of your lips of Praise. There's actually a message being sent if someone comes to church and they literally don't sing one song. You're missing on the opportunity of a spiritual sacrifice. Which as a royal priesthood, we're actually equipped to do and called to do. That's part of our sacrificial life. That we come and we sing and praise His name. What kind of sacrifice is that? That's a pretty amazing one. Especially if life is really unfortunate. Especially if things are very challenging. Especially if there's doubt that is just encircling everywhere. Especially if you don't know if you're coming or going. This is significant. So how do you do spiritual sacrifice? Well, one thing is, man, be engaged in praising His name. And it doesn't just mean with your lips. Let your body get some of that too. It's important. And in Hebrew, you know, there's all kinds of different words, and in Greek too, for praising. Where actually, and your body just does different. The hands go up. You end up on your knees. You do the little hold. There's just different postures, or you're just like just weeping. There's just different things. And it's important for us to know that's part of our priesthood sort of status. And that's like the way, just one of the ways we're called to spiritually offer sacrifices. It comes with the title. You with me? Okay, so first one was praise. We just read in Hebrews, the praise of your lips. Second thing is our bodies, Romans 12. So Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, says this. 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers, sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your, look at the, that's the word we want right there. This is your spiritual act of worship. Offering our bodies as a living sacrifice as unto Him. Well, how do, we, how do we do the royal priesthood thing? How do we do it? How do we offer sacrifices? Well, one, by the praise of our lips. Two, what we do with our bodies definitely matters. It says something about our worship. And the Bible makes it really clear that's our spiritual act of worship to Him. And our new priesthood with our new status, we show that we believe in Him, that we're a part of who He is. We say, you know what? There are just certain things with my body I am not doing because God said it's off limits. Sort of the running pastor's joke is, the problem with a living sacrifice is they always try and crawl off the altar. Like a dead one doesn't have a choice, right? Because they're dead and it's on the altar. Yeah. Like four people got it. That's pretty good. So, why we try and crawl off and get out of that? But the idea is if we're going to carry like this idea that we're living stones and we are in agreement with God, we signify our agreement by being obedient to what he's calling us to. So it comes with the territory. It's a great privilege to have access 24-7 to be close to his heart, to bring his kingdom everywhere. The other side is it does come with a responsibility. It's not just a free-for-all. He says holy and pleasing to who he is. Wow. Okay. So declaring praises, using our bodies, and then also with money. Look at Philippians 4. Last one. Verse 4, we're going to look at 18. Paul's writing here, he says, I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. It's interesting, you know, Paul had some needs. Ministry always has needs and things. People had come around together and be like, you know what? They need it. They help supply it. I love how they amply supplied it. That's always a good sign, man, that God is blessing a situation, amply supplying. And he says, this was uh, an offering acceptable and pleasing to God. Right? A spiritual offering. So what we do with our praises and how we worship, how we handle our bodies, and what we do with our finances, they all indicate if we actually believe we're a part of this royal priesthood or a living stone or not. Those are all really good indicators. It should be super helpful for all of us. So let's wrap up First Peter here. You guys still alive or what? All right, well, I'm going to wrap it up. It says, for in Scripture it says, he quotes some Scriptures here from Isaiah and Psalms. It says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, right, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. 
and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Right? To those of us that believe in who he is, it's precious, it's amazing, it's beautiful. To those that don't believe, it's just, we don't really care. Right? They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, everybody say you, and then say we, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, or possessed by God, really in the Greek, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. It's important for us to be able to do that, declare in praises about how He called us out of darkness. In Greek, you want to know what that word means? In Greek, that means um, people that couldn't see, eyes that were closed, you can't see anything. Light means, in Greek, that eyes were opened, you're able to see clearly. That's one of the most precious moments and amazing things in life. When you realize you can actually see. Like, oh my gosh, I never saw these issues and things in my life, but now I can see them. And it's like, now I can, I can get out of like, these certain things. I can make progress. I can build on something now. I have to keep spinning my wheels and trying new methods. It's a beautiful and awesome thing. And Peter's saying, hey, listen, no matter what's going to happen, just keep declaring about his goodness and who he is and how he's taking you out of darkness and into a marvelous light. Don't be quiet about that. Some people are like, ah, just keep your faith to yourself. Where's that in the Bible? You know, and I've had people show me that are Christians and stuff. Like, well, you shouldn't share with other people. You know, it could make them feel uncomfortable. And I, where does it say that again? Because I don't know where that is. It doesn't say it anywhere. Shine like a light on the hill. Declare who he is. And other uh, passages says, declare it from the rooftops. That means people won't like it. It will definitely fly in the face of culture. Other than losing some friends, I don't see where the real problem is. Right? It's important for us to declare. We say declare. declare. Yeah, I like to declare other things. It's really good to declare. I've been taken out of the darkness to a marvelous light of who he is. And that's something you can't fake. People will see right through that. Right? You can only really declare something that's actually really happened to you. Otherwise, you're just trying to like, say what you heard somebody else say, and that doesn't work out real well. So verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So, being transformed, new status. Everybody say new status. Royal priesthood. You're in it. You're in it. The question is, right, how well are you embracing that? And what in your life is really reflecting that? That's where the Spirit wants to take us. Because we're just, God hasn't just put us there with a new status, a new position without a purpose. There's some amazingly good plans. And listen, here's the reality. You know, typical lifespans, like 80-something years, that's about all we got. That's not that long. We don't have a long time to declare his praises, his goodness, and learn about his heart. 
and bring the kingdom everywhere we go. Even where darkness might be strong, we believe in the light more that's inside of us. So, those are some things that I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to draw out of us, have us think about, remind us about again. Next time you see a rock, hopefully you're thinking about some of this stuff. I was going to have like a whole bunch on the table over here, but I didn't, so. There's plenty outside. You can find a couple. Right? There's plenty outside. All right, let's have some communion together. And, and communion is really just an agreement of everything that we just talked about. And so that's why people, you don't want to take communion if you, if you can't really agree to it. So much more than going through the motions. So if you feel like you can't say that you are a part of the priesthood because you willingly chose to be a part and accept Jesus, I would just let the communion elements just pass right by you because it doesn't really mean anything. Nobody's going to judge you. In fact, they'll probably kind of, kind of respect you because you understand what the choice is and you're saying, well, I don't think so. So, um, can somebody come help me uh, pass these out? Thanks. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. So just hold on to them and we're going to take it together. Now, as you just weigh in, just, uh, you know, use the time to just sit and reflect and think about awesome sacrifice that Jesus gave, forgiveness that we rest in. And I would also use the time to think about the forgiveness that we get to receive, who in our lives needs to also receive it from us. It's really important. Nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence. I've tasted and seen. Of the sweetest of loves Where my heart becomes free And my shame is undone Your presence, Lord Holy Spirit, you are welcome here Come fly
together. Let's have just that focus, you know, that the Holy Spirit would be the one setting the fire. That it wouldn't just be dependent upon our efforts. We're only burning as hot with as hard as we're trying. I don't want to just burn as hot based on how hard I'm trying. I want to burn as hot as the fire that the Spirit has lit. So we're not just like we got a little fire coming around. We're like a bonfire just coming around places. Amen? All right, so let's sing it together and then we're going to head out.